reading from John chapter 15. I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. He breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that does not bear fruit so that it will be clean and bear more fruit. You have been made clean already by the teaching I have given you. Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Those who do not remain in me are thrown out like a branch and dry up. And such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire when they are burned. If you remain in me, then you will ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. My Father's glory is shown by your bearing much fruit, and in this way you become my disciples. I love you just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love one another just as I love you. The greatest love you can have for your friends is to give your life for them. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because servants do not know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because I have told you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear more fruit, the kind of fruit that endures. And so the father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. This then is what I command you. Love one another. The word of God for the world. Will you pray with me? Holy friend who loves us, chooses us, and never leaves us alone. We thank you for gathering us, branches in various states of needing nourishment and water, of needing encouragement for the living of these days, into your presence, so that we might be satisfied. And then to go forth and share that love and satisfaction with those we meet. But for this time and in this place, thank you for for gathering us and for the words of your son to teach us how to be in you. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our rock 
and our Redeemer. Amen. Every 500 years or so, the church is compelled to hold a giant yard sale. And we are living in one of these 500-year sales. This is the metaphor that religious historian and author Phyllis Tickle uses in her 2008 book, The Great Emergence, How Christianity is Changing and Why. She gives this perspective as a way to help us 21st century Christians in North America get some perspective on the state of the church and faith. This time, these every 500-year upheavals are moments of individual and institutional examination, a time to air out inherited traditions and practices of faith. And it comes along with a willingness, like all yard sales go, to let some things go, to acquire others in order to remain connected, which is the goal, connection to the center of faith. She reminds us that not only are we in a hinge of a 500-year period, we're also the direct product of one. And so we need to gauge our reactions to these upheavals and reformations of faith against the patterns and grains of previous hinge times and 500-year transformations that we've already been through. And it's especially important to remember that the Christian faith has never yet been destroyed by one of these semi-millennial reformations. Instead, the form of the past shifts and makes room for the new and not yet organized form that is coming to be. That's an important reality check on this Reformation Sunday. Because the Protestant Reformation is larger than any single person. It's more than just Luther. Martin Luther was not the only one who was critiquing and had questions about the practices of the church in his day. The speakers and the quotes from this morning's bulletin were contemporaries of one another all across Western Europe. And they were working in their own context to reform, renew, and reinvigorate Christian practices of faith. And so what the Protestant Reformation actually became is a multi-headed theological hydra with many heads, many arms that can still continue to divide to this day. Case in point, on our way into town this morning, I counted the number of churches I passed before I got here. Nine <laughs> that I could see meaning the ones that met under steeples or had a sign out front. There's probably more. And at least four of them are of the same denominational class, but they're wildly different on an individual level. But every Sunday we enter into these separate sacred spaces to worship God, the creator of all of us, and who I believe hears all of us in the ways we point to the grand mystery and what it has to do with us as we live and move in the world. So I think the question we're all trying to answer as 21st century followers of Jesus is this. 
how do we live responsibly as faithful followers of our religion in a world of many religions? What does the Christian faith look like in a multi-faith world? I don't have the answers, unfortunately, on a macro level, but I do think on an individual and small group level, we can get a handle on what this relationship looks like between God and us and the world and Christians who disagree with other Christians in the name of Jesus. I think we can get to something thanks to great Jesus' great storytelling and his use of metaphors that can help us out. Because when Jesus says, I am the real vine and my father is the gardener, we can understand this because so many of us do yard work, do garden, and we fill that role of the gardener with the loppers and pruning shears and snippers, cutting back our bushes, pruning our plants to make them healthier, and weeding our garden beds when it's time for summer vegetable planting. We know what the gardener's role is like, but unfortunately, that's not our role in this metaphor. What I wish Jesus had said was, I am the true vine and you can be whatever you want to be. You can be a vine just like me. You can be the pruner. You can be branches, soil. You can pick. But what Jesus actually says is, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener and you are the branches. And any gardener knows branches and vines, if they're left unattended, make for a ridiculous amount of work. So if Jesus wants me to be a branch, I don't want to be tangled up with other branches so I can bear the best fruit and get the credit for it. I would like to be something low-maintenance, distinct, individual, yet tall, bold and beautiful, maybe like a sunflower. I like to be a sunflower for Jesus, wouldn't you? But no, that is not what we are to be. We are branches connected to other branches, connected to the true vine, and cultivated to bear good fruit. That is what I am, that is what you are, and that is what we've always been even as we've tried to split off, grow in opposite directions from others in the Christian community in favor of our preferred growing conditions until the wheels of time turn in such a way that we come to this period of reformation as we remain in the care of our divine gardener. This reformation prunes attitudes like using the myth of those good old days as a goal for the present and of thinking that the church is ours to keep alive when it's not ours, it's God's. And we can't kill it. So even as changes in the world and culture have felt life-ending, what comes from the cutting off the discarding of beliefs and practices that no longer contribute to the health of the branch means that life and vitality can continue 
and that the fruit is born from a faith rooted in a stronger connection to the vine, our source of what we need to live. But not only are we individually connected to Jesus, our lives are connected to each other, sometimes uncomfortably tangled up together. And life, in particular the Christian life, seems to be just that. Jesus says it's a viney, tangly mess of all of us and Jesus and our neighbors. Which is hard to hear because we're North American Christians, right? We grow up knowing we've got individual rights and freedoms and choices to be who we want to be. We like to be the ones wielding the gardening tools and making the decisions of how the landscapes of our lives will take shape. More and more in our culture, anyway, the message seems to be we can be in total control of our lives. If we just follow the right diet, exercise a little harder, take longer walks on the beach, harness the power of positive thinking, not taking no for an answer. But Christianity is supposed to be different. Jesus reminds us that we are dependent on God and on one another. As one of my favorite Lutheran pastors, Nadia Bowles-Weber, says, when your mom dies, your yoga teacher is not bringing you a casserole. You need a church. She makes the point. It's the connections of a religious community, a common story that can bind people together to remind those in it to show up and be present, caring for the other. Or as Jesus would say, be a community that remains. The work of remaining in relationship is something that Jesus and humans do together, suggesting a continual, lifelong process. It's not something you could put at the top of your to-do list or your reminder list like I have every day on my phone. Have you remained today? Check. Moving on. It's not that kind of process. Because remaining is how the branches survive the pruning. Remaining is how they maximize their growth and abundance by staying connected. So the whole plant grows strong together in order to bear the fruits of the Spirit, with the first one being the greatest, love. Remaining in community that is messy and tangled and sometimes unruly takes a love that's shown in word and deed, in truth and action. It's the kind of love that makes it possible to be in community with the person you least want to be with. It's the love that makes it possible to call one another friend across theological, political, and social divides. It's the love that helps us let go of the practices of faith that have held us captive instead of set us free. And it's the love that enables us to recognize beauty and worth in other branches of faith and to reclaim ancient practices and liturgies that help us point to the grand mystery that is the divine in and among us. This is the kind of love 
that the world needs and yearns to see. A community that remains committed to loving and being continually reformed in the Spirit's lively scheming. So there's always room for more. As a congregation birthed in the imagination of the Holy Spirit, this is what we're called to strive for. Even when we're a tangly mess at times, there's no other tangly mess of beloved branches I'd rather be messed up in the life of Jesus with than you. And so I thank God, our gardener, who plants all of us, who tends all of us, reforms and reforms us, then nurtures us to go and bear the fruit of love. Amen.